This is an Equity Mates Media podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Talk money to me. Welcome to Talk Money to Me. I'm Candace Burke. And I'm Felicity Thomas. Talk Money to Me is a podcast where we draw on our extensive expertise and experience to help educate you on all aspects of your financial landscape. In last week's episode, we gave background information on what pre-IPO investing entails and what to look out for when considering investing in pre-IPO opportunities. So today, we thought we'd welcome two very special guests from Monogeny Minerals to talk about their personal experience and knowledge of this pre-IPO process. Welcome to Managing Director Anna Nahasky-Staples and Technical Director Dr. Karen Lloyd. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Felicity and Candice. Thanks for having us on the show. Monogetti Minerals is a company who recently completed their pre-IPO fundraising round, so we thought they'd be the perfect guests to talk about this topic today. We actually recommend catching up with last week's episode before you listen to this episode. But if you know exactly what pre-IPO means and want to jump straight in, don't let us stop you. So who are Monogetti Minerals? Well, they're a gold exploration and development company focused on high-grade, scalable discovery opportunities in the best mining jurisdictions in the world, those being Nevada in the US and locally here in Western Australia. We first came across Monogetti Minerals when you ladies were on your investor roadshow in the first half of 2021. And what sparked our interest is the fact that you're playing in a very male-dominated space, just like us. And not only do you have a female-led management team, but also a female-only board with a broad skill set and the industry relationships to deliver on your governance and exploration strategies. As we've previously mentioned on our show, the precious metals and gold space is always a good hedge to have in your portfolio to help ride out market volatility. And the price of gold, yes, has been weak as of late, but many commentators expect that to change as the implementation of the new bank capital rules under the Basel III will support demand for physical gold. We'll elaborate on this a little bit later. We definitely will, and we'll also hear from the ladies their thoughts on where the whole gold sector is heading. I feel like we're in the presence of legendary women here today on the show. We're going to pack a lot in today's conversation. We'll start off by hearing more about the recent pre-IPO process and how that's gone, hear more about your personal stories and how you became involved in Monogetti, and then get into the big topics of today's show. Understand more about why and how you developed the ESG framework of the company and the opportunities you're seeing in the sector, along with the future growth plans for Monogetti. As Managing Director, Anna, your background is very impressive, and you've been in the finance industry for almost three decades now, having been in your previous past life a US investment banker, and now with over 15 years experience in the mining industry, specializing in financing junior explorers. You also recently co-founded another ASX-listed company, Siren Gold, SNG, is the code on the ASX, which was actually one of the better performing IPOs in 2020. Anna has a degree in mixology in Harvard, which apparently is a disappointment to her parents, thinking she went off to get her degree in accounting. But I bet you make a mean cocktail, Anna. 
And over to you, Dr. Lloyd. For our listeners, Dr. Lloyd is the lady when it comes to the rocks and mineral space. As a geologist and mining engineer with over 25 years experience in the international resource sector, you have a super impressive skill set and you've held positions in the past where, you know, where you've consulted to major mining companies and investment houses globally on the mineral asset sector and valuation side of things. Karen is currently responsible for the multidisciplinary teams covering the precious metals and base metals sector in Australia and the Americas. And you recently advised on the valuation of the 16 billion Northern Star and Saracen merger. Karen, I also hear that you're a qualified powerlifting coach. So I'd love to see you and Felicity take it on in the MMA ring. Oh gosh, she'd she'd beat me. (laughs) So clearly you two ladies are a combination and a force to be reckoned with. You definitely know your stuff and you're definitely the experts in the room when it comes to the mining sector. But before we get into our interview, bear with us as we took off the disclaimer. Candice, take it away. Alrighty, so in today's episode, we will be hearing, obviously, from the ladies from Monogating Minerals. The company's disclosure document for the offer, which we'll be discussing, will be made available when the securities are offered. And should anyone who wants to acquire these securities, they will need to complete the application form that will be in the disclosure document. And as you know, as Felicity and myself are financial advisors, please know that this podcast and the content discussed does not constitute as financial advice, nor is it a financial product. The content on this podcast is general in nature and you should seek appropriate professional advice before making any financial decisions. So ladies, this is a really exciting time to have you on the show. As we know, you've recently closed your pre-IPO round and are now looking at the next round of funding, which will be the IPO. Now, the IPO is expected to be Q4 of 2021 on the ASX, and they're looking to raise about $10 million at a proposed share price of $0.25 per share. So you'll be listing with a market cap of $17.1 million. So Anna, can you give us your elevator pitch in your own words? What is Monogetti Minerals and what attracted you to be a part of this business? Yeah, thanks, Felicity. Um, in, a, in a nutshell, Monogetti Minerals is an early stage gold explorer. We're a pure play gold company. So we're very focused on uh, the discovery and exploration of gold assets on a global scale. And we have targeted the best jurisdictions in the world for gold exploration being Nevada and Western Australia. Uh, we've acquired three very exciting gold exploration projects. Uh, and now we're building a team in the US and here in Perth uh, with people that we feel uh, represent our values and can drive the company forward in a really valuable way for our shareholders. Fantastic. So exciting. And look, we're also curious to find out, does Monogetti stand for something? And, you know, what's the origin of this name? Yeah, there, there's a, a fairly long story behind that. But uh, the, the quick summary would be Monogetti is a neighborhood out of in, in Monaco, which is where uh, in my previous life, pre-COVID, I, I was spending some of the year working in finance. Uh, so the early funders, the seed investors, in Monogetti, which our, our company, which became Monogetti, that's where the, the name came from. So we've had early funding out of that part of the world. Um, and we thought, what better way to, to recognize that support than uh, going down that path with the name? That's a cool backstory. So I guess further to that, Anna, what really drew you to Monogetti? Like, what was the thing that made you think, I want to start this up and, and get the team together? Yeah, I, I think... I'm at the point in my career where 
I have a lot of value to bring uh, to companies from a capital markets perspective. And I guess since no one was knocking on my door to join at a, at a board level, I thought there's no better opportunity uh, than to branch out on my own and use those skills and establish a team and, and go out and do it uh, my, myself. And so the, the, the thought and the idea was hatched probably late 2019 when I could see the gold price appeared to be at the beginning of a, a very long and upward cycle. And there was money coming into exploration, which which was the first time in a very long time. So I thought all the stars were aligning to launch Monteghetti, uh, get the best projects into our portfolio and, and build the team from there. So uh, yeah, it's combining my financial background and, and capital markets experience and finding the the technical um, directors and, and staff to supplement that business model, which is uh, where Karen came into the picture. I love that. So you basically went, I'm sick of waiting around. I'm just going to do this on my own and let's get the team together. So I want to bring you, Karen, into the conversation here at this point, you know, with your extensive background in the sector and your expertise, you know, what really drew you to to Monteghetti and I guess what did Anna sell you in the elevator pitch to make you go yep I'm signing up on this well it's it's more interesting backstory actually there's another piece to that pie and and it it was Anna um, having a a meeting with a mutual colleague um, describing that background situation and describing what she was going to do and what she intended to do at the same time I was having a very similar conversation with the same guy we didn't know each other at the time myself and Anna and he said hang on you're both complaining about the same thing here. So I met Anna um, uh, for a coffee just as an introduction to each other, really, to see we were if we were compatible on a personality kind of basis. And two hours later, a coffee that lasted a long time, uh, we were in business. So it was essentially, you know, um, doing things the right way, um, doing things ethically, having that ESG focus, doing things within the Corporations Act and and um, and also having fun at the same time with, with, you know, all our expertise. So it was a very similar um, situation to Anna's, but mine was more on the, on the technical side. So um, matching the two together made a perfect team. From a technical perspective, what made you interested in this project, right? Because there's so many great gold exploration projects. Why this one? Why these sites? There's not that many great ones. There's a lot of good ones. Um, but And that was part of my mandate with, with Anna. And Anna's, Anna's investment mandate was was to go out and find the company makers. Um, so we teamed up to do that. And um, through Anna's contacts, she brought the, the projects over the desk. Um, I, I brought a couple, but we did look at many projects before we settled on this portfolio. Um, we did it you know, the right way. We looked at the scalability, the grade potential, the ESG angle, the, you know, the the commercial terms. And, and Anna really did financially engineer good contracts there to, to purchase the projects, uh, retaining the upside for the investors whilst protecting the company from the downside. So we did all those, you know, the things that an investment analyst would look for. We, we made sure we did the uh, project due diligence and the investment due diligence the right way. So we agreed on this portfolio together. You know, I've said this to a number of the brokers in the last few weeks, but each of these projects is, is could stand alone in a portfolio. Uh, we've we've got an absolutely fantastic 
portfolio spread um, of, of, of gold projects, as well as a fantastic team. Yeah, that's really exciting to hear. And I guess so you had you your pre-IPO um, raising, right, of about $2 million at the offer price of $0.19 cents per share. Karen, the majority of the source of funds raised was to further explore the fieldwork and drilling at the ECRU project. Um, for our listeners, the ECRU project features drill-ready targets interpreted to be analogous to Barrick's pipeline deposit. So, Karen, can you give us a bit more background on this project and an update on how this project is going? Yeah, thanks. So, ECRU is the company maker. So, um, for the Australian listeners that aren't familiar with the Carlin type um, deposit, I won't go into the, the technical detail there, but these kind of deposits host 10, 20, 30 million um, ounces of gold, whereas in the Australian landscape, we're looking for the one or two million ounces. And this is in one of the Battle Mountain Cortez trend, which is known to host 150 million ounces of gold. The, it's an advanced exploration project, so it's not as early as you might think. It's got some historical drill holes. It's contiguous to, it's not just an, analogous with, but it's contiguous to the, the Barrick Newmont, which is Nevada Gold Mines joint venture. Cortez Joint Venture, which um, so they've got mills, refineries, and roasters all in the area, um, and they've got a trailing royalty on our land too. So we're just a long strike um, there from from the Cortez camp. We, we took off where the previous owners um, left us with some fantastic, a fantastic raw data set. Um, they ran some new geophysics um, to get a handle on the local geology bef- and the, before they, they they backed out the project. So we're going in there with a, a fresh set of data. We've engaged or we're just in final negotiations uh, with a drilling contractor to start the RC pre-collars in um, October and hoping to do diamond tails off that. So what that is is a large diameter hole that, that gets through the top bit where the gold isn't and then we'll fully case it with some some PVC casing to allow us to go up and down that hole, leaving that hole open and we'll do what's called daughter holes off the bottom of those giant pre-collars, which is um, a technical way of, of, of deep drilling that is known very well and, and well respected, regarded and, and known to work in Australia, but which is never usually done in Nevada. They've had the luxury of gold deposits being at the surface to date and they're just getting into these um, these deeper deposits uh, like ECRU is. So our, our second project over in that part of the world will be providing us news flow whilst we're doing that deeper drilling at ECRU and we've mobilised um, I know we're going to get onto technologies later in the podcast, but we've mobilised an aerial drone out at our second project, Dolly Varden, that's going to pr- um, provide us with some news flow um, whilst we're establishing that project at ECRU. Yeah, awesome. And I guess for our listeners as well, is ECRU, did you guys find this site or is it a known, you know, quite large gold depository area? Like, is there a lot of competition for you guys to secure that area? It popped up on my radar, Candice, S2 Resources. So Mark Bennett's exploration team, which is pretty world renowned for their discovery success, um, actually had ECRU in their exploration portfolio uh, from about 2018 or 2019. And uh, they they had exited the all their projects in, in North America um, shortly after COVID hit, sort of a strategic decision by the company. And so I had done quite a, a lot of research from a commercial side on, on the potential for that project, the location and uh, the, the interesting characteristics from an investment standpoint um, and stepped in pretty quickly after that came available through an introduction uh, by S2 to the vendors. 
So we really seized an opportunity, a pretty unique opportunity, um, and put down some exclusivity payments to lock it up while we did our due diligence on the project. So we didn't really give anyone else a chance to get a look in. To bid for it. Yeah, we, we moved rapidly and decisively, and, and I think that worked really well in our advantage. Well, clearly that was a great strategic move because, as Karen mentioned, that's kind of your cash cow, right, for the business. So going down the track now to what's around the corner is your IPO. Anna, walk us through the the previous IPO funding round and I guess what you've learned lessons from there that has maybe translated into the current IPO round that you're now facing. You know, you're aiming to raise eight to 10 million, mainly to fund the Nevada and Western Australian projects. But is there anything else you want to bring to the table and discussion now in the current IPO raise conversation? Yeah, that's right. Um, with the last round, it was very, very important to me from from a business standpoint to get Karen uh, at, mobilized, get her team um, activated in Nevada uh, and, and start the drilling program and exploration program before we listed. So looking at the calendar, the, the North American summer for us is an important drill season, although we can drill year round, which is another advantage of, of working in Nevada. News flow is so critical to to IPOs. We, we go out cap in hand to investors um, and then it, it's pretty tragic when, when you list and, you, and, and then you use those funds to go out and hire your drillers and hire your people. And it's maybe a quarter or two before those investors and shareholders see results. We, we didn't want to be in that position. We wanted to capitalize on, on the timing. Um, so we, we went pretty aggressive with our capital pre-IPO raising, um, getting that $2 million in the door, enabling us to, to staff up and get the drill contracts in place um, to ensure positive, consistent, and ongoing news flow um, surrounding that IPO so investors don't have to sit patiently waiting for results. Exactly, because you've nailed it on the head, right? It's it's always markets don't like uncertainty, right? And, and a particular uncertain aspect is a new company coming to the market. So having your communications on point and having good positive news flow is definitely one that investors, we speak to them all the time about that, um, particularly with our clients. One in, area in particular is, you know, do you anticipate that you're going to raise enough in the IPO, you know, is the balance sheet going to look strong enough to get Karen through to these projects in two, three years' time um, of when you list? Yeah, very, very important question and one that we we probably took a, a fairly different approach. What we see a lot of our peers doing would be selecting the, the sort of standard template of, of listing at, at 20 cents, which is the minimum to come to market and uh, raising 5 million, which is also sort of the, the bare bones raising and not thinking about the projects themselves and establishing an exploration program, the use of funds, and then determining how much you need to raise and at what price reflects the valuation of those projects. And that probably may have to do with the skill set as early founders. Karen's a valuation expert. So her day job up to this point has been valuing some of the largest exploration companies in in the industry. So that's her expertise. So she knows exactly what value we're bringing to market, um, how to, and, and I'm looking at it from a business standpoint, how we attack those with our use of funds. And then we decided how much we're raising, which is up to 10 million. Uh, and we, we've developed our exploration programs first and backed into the, the 
raising amounts, which I, I think is probably um, possibly not the standard for our peers. No. Well, I think everything you're doing is not the standard, but it's definitely a good thing. What business goals are you aiming to achieve in the first year of listing on the ASX? Given the IPO is just around the corner, you know, your previous company, Siren Gold, had a successful listing. And as you know, companies with good news flow, positive announcements um, tend to fare well in the market, like you previously said. So um, what else do you have up your sleeve that you can um, kind of give away? If anything, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll definitely have lots up our sleeve, and and we'll roll those out uh, and and surprise the market in a positive fashion in the months to come. So I won't I won't give away all our <laughs> our, our secrets, but the the easy answer, I guess, Felicity is is we're swinging for the fences with this. We're we're not going to be satisfied with average return. Um, our our I guess to answer your question, the our goal is to be the best performing IPO on the ASX within our peers. I like that. Go ladies. So so that's what, what we we you know, get up in the morning and, and work the whole day and go to sleep. Yeah, that that's our goal. Um, but I think it's important to pair that with the fact we want to underpin that uh, by maintaining best practice in ESG. So what I want to do is I want to prove to the markets and be the template for future juniors that by putting ESG initiatives, so environmental, social and governance platform at the forefront of our business model enhances our profitability for shareholders. It doesn't take away from that. It definitely doesn't. And I think that is speaking volumes to the markets at the moment. And definitely there's a new wave of investors that we're seeing and talking to daily that really put ESG characteristics and preferences above, you know, profits and how the balance sheet's looking. Because everywhere we look at the moment, ESG is pretty much on the forefront of everyone's mind. And you are a leader in this space. Typically, the resource sector is known as being, you know, non-ESG friendly, and you're really breaking down those barriers as a business. So just before we go to a break, we will deep dive into the business and how you are more ESG focused in comparison to your peers. We're going to explore more of your ESG goals in more detail. And let's just have a quick break before we hear from our sponsors. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. So, Anna, one thing that really caught my eye when I first came across the business was the board's decision to establish an ESG framework like you mentioned, prior to listing the company, you were straight out of the of the gates there. You were really focused on ESG. So two questions on you for this. Can you tell us more about the ESG targets that the company set and why they're important to you? 
That's right. Uh, when when I established Monteghetti, um, it was really about throwing out the rule book. Um, it wasn't a case of just doing what everyone else was doing. There was plenty of opportunities. Um, ESG was just taking off as far as sort of a wide commitment and, and outperformance, I guess, for, for wearing my financial hat again, that the funds were for the first time ever outperforming the traditional uh, investment funds. So we were finally getting traction and interest and support from more of the general markets. So pairing that with a fresh start at Monteghetti and incorporating that into our culture, I saw as a huge, a huge advantage um, and a differentiator for us. So we started with, um, I, I guess the th- first, uh, first idea we had was to establish a workplace giving program, um, which is pretty standard. I mean, that's nothing too unique. Uh, but I think where we put our own twist on it was the fact that the junior market, which is not a revenue generating business, kind of used that as an excuse not to establish that type of a, a platform, realizing that they could never match contributions um, and it wouldn't be appropriate. Uh, but again, we, we threw the rule book out um, and said that that's actually not really an excuse. This We can still establish a platform uh, to encourage um, our staff, uh, everyone at Monteghetti, to contribute on a voluntary basis um, for a, a tax deduction and facilitate that so we can support a variety of um, community charities uh, and, and areas in which we're working in. So I think that's, I, I tried to find another peer that's doing that. Um, I couldn't find an example. So I think we are trailblazers in that space. And uh, yeah, we recently launched, uh, we call it Digging Deep Workplace Giving Program. And we're starting kicking things off with donations from our director fees uh, to lead from the top. That's fantastic. Because in one of our pre- previous episodes, Felicity and I were mentioning, you really want to take the time when you invest in a pre-IPO opportunity or an IPO opportunity to look at the directors, the board, what their values and goals are. You know, do they have skin in the game? And in particular, you have skin in the game and you're also giving skinning back to the community, so to speak. I've just coined that new phrase for us all here today. <laughs> Here's some skin. Exactly. Yeah. Skin back into skin the community. Back. That's fantastic. Skin back. But I want to hear both of your perspectives to this second part of the question. From an ESG perspective in your culture, you know, you mentioned you're funding exploration, you're not mining the market. So what does that really mean to Monteghetti? Yeah, we've seen all too many lifestyle companies in this space. It's an unfortunate dynamic that uh, has seemed to slide by with not a lot of scrutiny and attention. It's a a huge pet peeve of mine uh, that directors feel they they put their their own financial well-being ahead of being good stewards of investor money. Uh, they run it like private companies, and and that's inexcusable. So, going to we, we really respect every shareholder dollar that comes into the company. We put it directly into the use of funds. So that it, when you're IPOing, it's all outlined. We is probably the most transparent a company ever is in, in its life cycle. And that's because it is highly regulated. So the be- the benefit of shareholders is that that's all outlined in the prospectus. And you can see exactly where the dollars are going. Um, it is a very transparent time. And that, that transparency needs to continue for the company moving forward so that shareholders can see exactly how their money is being spent, that 
companies aren't being compensated unfairly in, in directors' fees when there isn't performance and we need to be delivering. Uh, we're very much aligned with you. You mentioned skin in the game. Yes, we're, we're, very, we're personally very heavily invested in the success of the company, and that aligns us well with shareholders moving forward. I think that's important to hear because, you know, there are a lot of companies and a lot of smaller mining companies that are listed on the ASX and then they delist, right? And then, you know, then shareholders lose a lot of money. It's nice to hear that you guys have a lot of integrity. That's, you know, not something that will ever happen with Monogetti um, because you have the right structure. So, Karen, what actually is responsible? sourced gold yeah so responsibly sourced gold you might have heard in the diamond industry where um, you know you go into a jewelers and you'll say where does that diamond come from and you can ably say it's from the argyle mine and it's got this chain of custody it was sourced um, using this esg framework with this supply chain and that vertical integration and these suppliers had these networks and systems in place We've not seen that in the gold space. We're seeing it in some of the base metals space now with a modern slavery um, angle around particularly focused in Africa. But the United Nations 17 um, Sustainability Development Goals are now in, integral in the Responsible Jewelry Council's uh, mandate. Monagetti's joined the, the Responsible Jewelry Council. And as such, we'll have a biannual audit that um, where we we um, commit to, to um, reaching those 17 sustainability development goals. Hand in hand with that comes establishment of frameworks right at the expiration stage. So we can trace the origin of our gold. Uh, we, we'll do it in a responsible and sustainable fashion. So we'll we've got that, like Anna alluded to, we've got that that ESG framework now, so we don't have to retrofit it when we get to the production level. And look, word on the street is you're all known as the Golden Girls now, which is pretty exciting. Now, Monagetti is very vocal about its ESG practices. So one other question on this, at which point in the supply chain do you believe innovation can assist the most in making mineral exploration and mining more sustainable? Yeah, I mean, again, mining's, you know, such a traditional industry that we're only just leveraging off, off the, the big data and the technologies that are out there. Um, aeros- the aerospace industry is probably the one that's been leading the charge there, second um, in construction with respect to the design principles around sustainability. But um, what we've got now in mining is we've got aerial drones, uh, we've got big data technologies that essentially – don't damage the the environment, don't damage the land um, as much as as they used to. So I think right at the very, very beginning um, to leverage off some of the new technologies that are out there, that's what Monagetti is doing. For example, our drone now, we don't have to have people on the ground destroying the bush. Uh, we've got a drone that's, that's flying at low level above our land. So that's going to give us just as much data as – and, and it's going to be more timely as well, right? So we're going to get more data in a in a more, a more economical fashion, um, not only for the environment but for the investor as well. So I think leveraging that stuff early on is also going to attract, you know, a newer workforce with with a more dynamic um, skill set. We don't, I don't think we're going to have jobs in the future called geologist, mining engineer, analyst. I think we're going to have professionals like Anna and myself, which kind of can, we've got in-depth knowledge in our own areas. We know where to leverage and ask for help, but we see it as one continuum, a vertical integration 
not just vertical, it's a spectral integration of, of data, people, and, and what's in the ground. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I guess a follow-up question uh, for you, Karen, thinking future now for the company, you know, in your opinion, what's the biggest opportunity for Monaghetti? And I guess I want to ask the experts in the room, you know, where do you see the whole gold sector going? Where do you see the price moving to? You know, give us a little sneak peek and what, do you, what you're seeing the sector doing, valuation side. Gold, if you look at the, the past history, which goes back uh, thousands of years in gold, but if you look at the past 50 years, say since, uh, since around the 70s, we, um, gold has a pretty, pretty lengthy cycle. So when it is in an upward pattern, um, those cycles, upward trends tend to be quite long compared to other commodities. Maybe we're talking about it, maybe a 10-year cycle. I, I believe we're still at the very early stages of that. I think you'd be hard pressed to find anyone uh, that doesn't believe inflation is coming. It's it's already showing. I, again, there's there's not a lot of uh, disagreement with the the growing debt situation in the U.S., which is really unprecedented. The the levels of debt um, that have been incurred in recent years, administrations, and now with COVID. So. Gold, as everyone knows, is tied to real interest rates. It tracks that very, very closely. Um, the inability of the Fed to raise rates at this point um, is going to get more and more um, press, I think, as as their rhetoric is, is going to start to be um, hard to swallow. And I think we'll start to see the cracks show in coming months. Um, and I think that uh, that's going to really provide a platform that we haven't seen for an upward swing in, in gold prices. So it, it is it is forecasting, and I, I have to be careful. of <laughs> Nobody knows exactly what's going to happen, um, but I think some of the, the biggest industry experts are very, very bullish on, on, on the cycle of gold. It's, it's never a straight line up, so there's lots of corrections along the way, but I think we have a huge upside um, in that that pricing, which which positions Monteghetti uh, very well um, to pair that with a, this global discovery. Yeah, and I mean your crystal ball is as good as mine. But Karen, I want to hear your crystal ball. What do you think? Um, look, I, I guess um, playing devil's advocate on this one. Um, if you've got good projects and good people, um, I'm not sure how much Monteghetti itself is going to be affected by. Uh, the volatility of, of the gold price. I think we are on an upwards trajectory just because of world events at the moment. Gold, you know, arguably we can go into that in greater detail, is is a safe haven. Monaghetti and companies like it have the option value of the stored value of what's in the ground plus the option value of, of the extraction. So if you've got some good projects and some good people, you're always going to be a winner. Again, not forecasting, but we, we do have a we do have a little dollar figure in our head about what our company um, could be worth, and I, I dream it every night. Oh, do you? A little plastic gold bar that sits on my pillow. That's going to be real one day. I'm sure it will. I hope it is. Yeah, it's on my vision board and it uh, will make this happen, yeah. What I think was really cool was uh, in your recent pre-IPO round, you actually gave investors a small little um, gold coin, which is a, a cute little neat way of you know thanking the community and the investors to following along the story. 
I know, I know our coming back to the gold story, I know our mining analyst here at Shaw is super positive on the whole gold space overall. And he keeps talking about this traditional trend that we're seeing, you know, moving away from the, the traditional more energy sources like coal and et cetera. And everyone in the whole mineral space and mining sector is talking about the ESG side of things, uh, you know, as it, as we go on into this futuristic world. I also think there is, you know, some, I guess, exciting regulatory change with the Basel III. Um, you know, in January 22, the UK needs to implement all of these new rules on their capital requirements. You know, and as you guys would know, the London bullion market is the largest in the world, you know, turning over over 30 billion US daily. So I think, you know, what positive impacts do you see this legislation having on, you know, the gold price and therefore Monaghetti, if any? I think our our philosophy for Monaghetti was to opt in on these areas. So we have the benefit of starting from scratch with a fresh platform. And we've always thought if we incorporate all these uh, very, very forward thinking, I mean, we're looking well and truly down the road. We're long-term players. We're not in this for for short-term gains and then we're out moving on to the next company. Um, We're playing a really long game here. Um, And we're setting that framework. We're incorporating all those very dynamic changing aspects in the industry that that you've just mentioned into our into our culture um, and therefore we're on the front foot we don't have to pivot um, when when we're more established and that's a huge competitive advantage for us so I think we do raise some eyebrows I think some people look at us and say how can you be talking about clean mining and environmental standards when you're explorers that that's sort of inappropriate and and we challenge that feedback by saying, this is exactly when you should be thinking about those things. You should be establishing the framework and how you're going to get there. Because if you're not doing it now, it's going to be a, a hard path. And you don't want to be in a position where you're making these changes just because regulation is coming or because it's already there. That's a, a much more expensive um, scenario for, for investors and shareholders when you have to when you have to change to fit regulation and compliance, which is coming. It's coming and, and we're going to be on the front foot in those areas. Definitely. And I think it's great that banks will have to hold now more physical gold and the physical gold is classified tier one, just like cash, which is fantastic. I think for gold miners in particular, we have one final question, right? Before you debut on the ASX and it's very serious. So coffee, tea or tequila, what's your drink preference? Coffee after a night on the tequila. (laughs) I love that. That's a great one. And Anna, I'm going to ask you the same question. I am a coffee girl, but I, I can't. If it's if it's uh, high quality tequila, you've got me there. So <laughs> I'm, I'm a Patron girl. Um, always have been. So Fantastic. Well, we'll have to share some tequila shots after your successful ASX listing. I'm quite excited for that. Um, well, thank you so much for joining us on Talk Money to Me. We look forward to following the company's progress to IPO soon on the ASX. If you'd like to hear more about Monogetti Minerals, where can our listeners track you guys down? Oh, we're pretty much on all platforms, I think. Um, we, we've got a great uh, social media marketing consultant who makes sure we're updating the markets regularly. And uh, yeah, and, and then we've we've got a full website at monogettyminerals.com that you can take a look as well and, uh, and request a prospectus. So be one of the first to get in there uh, and get a look at the IPO prospectus by registering online. 
Yeah, very exciting. So our listeners can definitely do that. And your Instagram handle is just monogetty underscore minerals. And if you want to get in contact with either Candice or I to find out more about Talk Money to Me, our email and social media details are in the show notes below. So come follow us on Instagram, send us an email, let us know your thoughts and feedback on the podcast, and we'd really appreciate your five-star rating and reviews on your podcast player. Until next time. (laughs) Adios, amigos. Talk Money to Me is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. Equity Mates gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by a range of financial service professionals. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of Talk Money to Me are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Equity Mates Media does not operate under an Australian financial services license and relies on the exemption available under the Corporations Act 2001 in respect of any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equity Mates website where you can find the ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media and the hosts of Talk Money to Me acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.